Hey, what's up, guys? We are so excited that you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can connect and engage with other Grace members around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. Now, I realize when a church starts to address the subject of money, sometimes there are people that bring certain assumptions. Well, the reason the church is talking about money is because the church needs my money. Uh, I want to encourage you, you already go to an incredibly generous church, and uh, you are one of the most amazing churches when it comes to giving generosity. Thank you to all of those of you that are tithers and givers. You are already amazing. So that's not why we're doing that here, uh, why we did that financial conference last week, why we're giving away Ramsey Plus, and while I'm talking about it here today, the real reason is because I think that this is a real need in our community. A few months ago, we interviewed law enforcement, some school teachers, bus drivers. We asked them, hey, you've got a front row seat for what's really going on in our community. What are people facing? The number one answer was mental health and a mental stress in their lives. But I was a little surprised to hear them say that so many families are, uh, their issue is financial instability. And they were telling us that it's affecting kids when they go to school, it's affecting homes, it's affecting marriages. And of course, uh, you know, uh, last Easter, we did a survey in our church and we said, hey, what, what would you like us as a church? What are the topics we need to address? What are people addressing? And, and again, mental health was number one. So we're gonna continue to keep that on the radar and talk about that next month. You're gonna love the series we're gonna be doing about that. It's simply called Why? God's got a lot of answers to the why question. But one of the most common things that people said is financial stress. And a lot of older people were saying that, hey, if you're on a fixed income, inflation is going up, the cost of everything is going up, we're on a fixed income, it's starting to price us out, even of housing and food. Now, why would people be stressed out about money? Well, I don't know, inflation, you know, cost of everything is going up, uh, we've got uh, financial uncertainty, there's a threat of recession, right? You got uncertain global markets, there's the devaluing of the dollar. How many agree when it comes to money, there's a lot we could be worried about? And that's why today I want to talk to you about how to not worry about your money. Now, how many know that is a big goal? My goal for you is when you walk out of this room that you won't be worried about your money. And some of you are saying, Pastor, how in the world can you do that? I can't do that. But God can. And the answer is found in Matthew chapter 6. So if you brought a paper Bible with you, just open it to Matthew chapter 6. If you want to use your electronic device, uh, Matthew 6. If you've got notes when you came in, or if you want to follow online notes, the scriptures are all there in those notes. But what I want for you here today is I don't want you to be stressed. I don't want you to be worried about the future or about money. And in Matthew chapter six, Jesus talks about worrying and about money in the same conversation. Let's look at it in Matthew six, verse 24. Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. 
Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I want you to notice that the word money in the NIV, uh, the M is capitalized uh, because in the King James, that word money is the word mammon. We'll come back to that here in just a second. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, what does he say? Three words, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear, because it's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet, would you say these three words with me? Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you, aren't you much more valuable than them? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry? Are you getting to just now? This is a conversation about worry. Why do you worry about your clothes? See, the flowers of the field grow, and they don't labor or spend. I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So, there it is again, say it with me, do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what will we drink, or what are we going to wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And one more time, there it is, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, and all God's people said, So Jesus, in this conversation, by the way, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is talking about two things. He's talking about money, possessions, things that cost money, and he's talking about worry. So five times in this paragraph, Jesus mentions worrying, and three specific times, he commands us, do not worry. Are you with me so far? So how do we, if Jesus commands us not to worry, how do we keep from worrying? We're going to take it straight out of the Bible here today. Is that okay? You may want to write this down. Number one, if I'm going to keep from worrying about money, number one, I've got to keep money in the right perspective. I got to keep money in the right perspective. How many know when money gets out of perspective, the result is stress and the result is craziness? Uh, I'll illustrate it to you this way. A few years ago, there was a book that was published called The Day America Told the Truth. It was written by James Patterson and Peter Kim. And so the book was about this question that they asked. They surveyed Americans and they said, what would you be willing to do for $10 million? 25% would abandon their entire family. See you later. I'm gone. 23% would become a prostitute for a week or more. 16% would give up their American citizenship, move to another country. 10% would withhold testimony, letting a murderer go free. 7% would kill a total stranger. We should be more careful about the people we hang around, don't you think? And look at this last one. 3% would put their children up for adoption. And I know some of you are saying, Pastor, I'd do that for free. (laughs) You don't have to give me $10 million. Hey, clearly, we don't have the right perspective 
as Americans when it comes to money. And listen, this is why Jesus begins this conversation in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Uh, for either we will hate the one and love the other, or we're going to hold to the one and despise the other. He says, and this is the King James Version, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, uh, the word mammon is mentioned four different times by Jesus in the King James Version of the New Testament. So what, what's he talking about? What is mammon? Well, in history, mammon was the Syrian god of riches. And so the disciples would have been familiar with the word mammon or the god mammon because remember the Israelites had spent 70 years of captivity in Babylon and Babylon had adopted the god mammon as one of their gods. Now what does the word Babylon mean? In order to figure out that, all you, got, all you have to do is slow down the way you say babble on. The word Babylon means confusion. What mammon does is it brings confusion. It brings things out of perspective. Robert Morris does a great job. Uh, uh, he has a false message on the spirit of, of mammon. But I think the point that Jesus is making here is that money has a spirit on it. And it's either the spirit of mammon or the spirit of God. And so if the spirit of mammon is on our money, then we worry about our money because things are out of order and there's a lack of perspective. Now think about this. When the Antichrist comes on the scene during the last days, the book of Revelation doesn't say that he's gonna threaten people with nuclear war or death. He's gonna threaten them with the spirit of mammon, which is you're not gonna have money to buy stuff. So you need to take this mark and worship this image or you're going to starve to death. This is why we're doing this message. Not to get money from you. I'd like to get you delivered of the spirit of mammon so that as we race into the last days, we are not going to be subject to it. Come on, somebody. That's what God wants for all of us. And so... Mammon wants us to get money out of perspective. And what, I think what Jesus is saying is that mammon and worry, mammon equals worry. So because money wants you to serve it rather than it serve you. Which is why Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You got to choose either mammon or God. Now I'm not saying that it's bad to have money. But what I'm saying, it's not bad for me to have money but it is bad for money to have me. That's what Jesus is talking about. And one of the ways to know if money has me, it's how much I worry about money. Can I say that again? One of the ways that I know is if, mammon, if money has me, instead of me having it, is how much I worry about money. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, Jesus said, the worries of this life and the deceitful news of wealth, it chokes us and makes us unfruitful. This is why we got to get rid of this spirit on money because it will choke us to death. How many know worry and anxiety and fear? I mean, it can just suck the breath right out of your lungs if we're not careful. And God doesn't want us to have that. And so Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. 
Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So God says, in order for you to be free from the love of money, you got to have it in the right perspective so that you can be content with what you have. The spirit of mammon says, I got to have more. I got to have more. I got to have more. How much is enough, by the way? I think if we were to ask everybody in this room, how much money is enough money? We would all say, a little bit more than I currently have right now. But God's word says, be content. Reminds me of a story about, I recently read about an American businessman who uh, was on vacation in a small coastal village in Mexico. He was there and he saw this small boat and there was just one fisherman that was docked Inside this small boat were several large yellowfin tuna. Uh, The American complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish. And he says, hey man, how long did it take you to catch these fish? And he replied, it only took me just a, a little bit, a little part of the day. And the American asked, well, why didn't you stay out longer and catch more fish? The Mexican said, hey, I caught enough to support my family's immediate needs. And so the American asked him, well, what do you do with the rest of your day and the rest of your time? The fisherman said, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my kids, take siesta with my wife Maria, stroll into the village every evening where I sip coffee, play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life, senor. The American scoffed and said, hey, I have an MBA from Harvard and I can help you. You should spend more time fishing and with proceeds, buy a bigger boat. And with the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could buy several boats. And eventually, you're going to have a fleet of fishing boats. And instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you could sell directly to a processor and eventually open your own cannery. You would control the product, all the processing, all the distribution. Now, you would need to leave this small coastal fishing village. You'd have to move to Mexico City and then to LA and eventually to New York City where you will oversee an expansion of your franchise. The Mexican fisherman asked, but senor, how long will that take? The American replied, about 15 years. But what then, senor? Well, the American laughed. He said, that's the best part. When the time is right, you're going to announce a stock offer. You're going to sell your company stock to the public and become very rich. You're going to make millions. Millions, senor? Then what? The American said, then you can retire, where you can move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife Maria, stroll to the village in the evenings where you can sip coffee and play guitar with your amigos. Some of you are worth waiting on. Write this down. Money is a tool, not a treasure. The right perspective about money is I recognize that money is a tool, it's not a treasure. It's a tool to be used for a purpose. Nobody is saying that money is bad. We just gotta use it the right way and we don't want it connected to our hearts. Now, what is Financial Peace University? What is Ramsey Plus? What is Crown Financial Ministries? What is Ron Blue and all of that? All they are are tools, right? And they're tools to help us. There's no promise of get rich quick. There's no promise, well, everybody's gonna be a millionaire. That's not it at all. The reason we're giving this to you is because we want you to use money as a tool, not a treasure. Come on, somebody. 
I'm preaching better than you're amen Here's number two. How do I keep from worrying about money? Number two is I've got to see my father as my source. My father is my source. Um, I was in Japan two weeks ago on a missions trip and uh, learned a lot about the nation of Japan. It's going to be part of our Christmas offering, but uh, 134 million people live uh, in, in Japan. And while we were there, the missionary that was with us took us one of the, to a local Buddhist temple. And she wanted us to see uh, how Buddhists worship and what their religious rituals were like. And so we went to this temple, and what we saw is you can pay about 100 yen, or about 70 cents, to shake this round cylinder, just all this shaking going on, and then you pull out this stick, you, whatever stick you pulled out, it, there's a corresponding fortune that goes with it, and so basically random luck of the draw uh, could be the fortune that you received. Uh, she shared with us one of the unlucky ones, it's on the screen, uh, it says, your wishes will not be realized, your sick loved one will never recover, the lost article will not be found. The person you're waiting for will not come back. Building a new house is not a good idea. Making a trip, getting married, or getting a job is a bad idea. Even if you stay in bed for a long while, you will never get well. Just like a dragon loses its treasure ball, you will lose all hope. Makes you want to be a Buddhist. Now watch this. All of this is based on luck. And we laugh, but there are millions of lost people who think this way. I want you to compare that approach to God to what Jesus said in Matthew 6. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you much more valuable than them? Jesus is saying birds aren't made in the image of God, but you are. Birds aren't sons and daughters of the most high God, but you are. And Jesus is saying, if God takes care of them, then how much more will your heavenly father take care of you? Can, can I tell you that one of the reasons that we succumb to worry so much is because we don't understand our immense value to God. Satan wants to lie to you and tell you you are worthless, and God says the exact opposite. In fact, when we worry, I think what we are saying is, I'm not very valuable. And that's just not true. So I think what Jesus is saying, you should let the birds and the squirrels be your preachers. And Pastor Wayne too, by the way, but he's saying, let these people preach to you that God's taking care of them. And when you hear those birds chirping and singing and making all that noise, recognize that what they're really singing is, great is thy faithfulness. And when that squirrel is staring at you through the window and you're staring back at that squirrel through the window, what that squirrel is actually saying is, what are you looking at? Trust God. I trust him. Somebody say amen. James chapter one, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from Starbucks. Every good and perfect gift is from Visa. Every good and perfect gift is from Cummins Engine Company. 
No way. I hit a nerve. Every good and every perfect gift is from where? Coming down from who? Your father. I hope you get this. There's a reason why at this church, our vision is that people would know God. How many know there's a difference between doing religious activity, checking off a box, going to church, doing stuff? There's a difference between that and truly knowing God personally because I talked to him this morning. Because when we get to that point and we see God as our heavenly father, how many know it's gonna be a lot easier to trust him? The reality is we don't trust people we don't know. Your father says, I'm your security, not money. Mammon wants you to think that money is the source of your happiness. And in order to be happy, you should have more money. Well, we know that's, if that were true, then most of the people in the world that have money would be happy. But that's not true. I mentioned Japan has 135 million people. Japan is one of the safest countries in the world. Our hosts were telling us, you could go downtown Japan at two in the morning by yourself. Don't even worry about it. You're going to be safe. They've got technology. They've got the bullet train. It's very, very clean. And it's very rich. Japan is, of all the nations, third most when it comes to wealth. Now, what I didn't realize is that Japan is only 1% Christian. And that's why we're going to invest in it in a Christmas offering, because there's so many lost people there. And I also didn't know that one of the things that Japan struggles with the most is depression and suicide. In fact, recently, the government of Japan hired a minister of loneliness to try to help combat the explosion of suicide that's happening in their culture. And what that tells me is we, just, we don't just need money to live on, we need something to live for. Can I say that again? We don't just need something to live on, we need something to live for. Now, I grew up very poor. Uh, I'm, a, I'm from a family of seven. Uh, my dad was a bivocational pastor. Now, what that means is he was a pastor and he had a job, a, a second job. Uh, and the reason he had to get a second job is because the church paid him $100 a week. And even back in the 1800s, that wasn't a lot, excuse me, 1900s, I'm not that old. Uh, that's not a lot of money. And so he had another job, which was seasonal, which meant that the summers were okay, but the winters could be very, very hard. So we grew up uh, across the street from Mount Olive General Baptist Church in Columbus, Indiana. Now, my mom was very thrifty with yard sales and layaways, and uh, you know we raised our own garden, we canned everything, and like good Kentuckians, we raised chickens and pigs. If you want to hear the stories, I've got the stories, all right? I know what hell smells like, okay? Now, we're lots of beans and cornbread growing up. You know, we didn't eat out uh, at all. Actually, twice a year we ate out. It was a bucket of KFC on Easter and Mother's Day. KFC is still going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, if you ask me. That's my opinion. Now, one of the ways my dad's church raised money was by hosting softball tournaments, 
And so these tournaments where there were entry fees from the different uh, players or different teams, they could last a, a full day, sometimes multiple days. And so it was many, many times that we'd spend an entire day at a softball tournament. So I'll never forget one particular day, we show up, and I think it was Edinburgh, and we're there for this tournament. We showed up early. It gets to be around noon, one o'clock, and you know, I'm an eight-year-old kid with a hollow leg. I'm hungry, all right? And here people start to show up with McDonald's and, and uh, Dairy Queen and, and things like that, and I'm really, really hungry, and my brothers and sisters are all like, hey, we're hungry, and... and uh, I'll never forget the look on my mom's face when I can't help you. We would have to wait till we go home to get some food. That was the day I fully realized we're poor. We're very poor. But we were poor when it came to money, but we were not poor when it came to relationships and love, and faith. I grew up going to church all the time. If you get to heaven by the number of church services you attend, I am in like Flynn, all right? But, but my parents made sure that church and a relationship with Jesus Christ was the most important thing in my life. I think the single greatest gift my mom and dad gave me was to teach me that my relationship with Jesus is more important than money, more important than an education, more important than anything else. My mom and dad were married for more than 50 years, so I saw what it was like to have two people stick it out and sacrifice for their family. I learned to work hard, I learned to be grateful. In my opinion, I grew up rich. I did not grow up poor. I grew up rich in the things that really, really mattered. Mammon wants us to think that the get things out of perspective is you got to have this and nothing's more important than money. I'm here to tell you there's a lot of things more important than money. Here's the last one. How do I keep from worrying about money? Very simple. Keep God first. Jesus started out, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you're gonna hate the one and love the other, or you're gonna be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. I think it's interesting that Jesus called money a master. Because money wants you to serve it rather than it serve you. And mammon wants us to get things out of order, right? Right? And we want to put things before God. We want to put money before God. But how many know what happens when things are out of order? There's chaos. There's confusion. And there's stress. And what Jesus is saying, guys, if you don't want to stress about things, and if you don't want to stress about money, you don't want to stress about clothes or what you're going to eat, he says it in verse, uh, verse th Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. How many know the order is important? Let's be honest. The reason that 90% of Americans, according to one survey, is stressed out about money is because our finances, our schedules, our priorities are out of order. God is not first. God's in there. He's somewhere. He's just not first. 
And Jesus has given us the key. If you don't want to worry, if you don't want to be stressed out, make sure God is first in everything, in your schedule, in your money, in your relationships. And then Jesus said, if you put me first, all these other things that you've been worried about, he says, I'm going to give them to you. Because remember, I'm your heavenly father. Somebody put it this way. If I put God before things, he will provide the things that I need. If I put God before things, he will provide the things that I need. That's easy to say amen to on Sunday morning. It's a little bit harder to do when it says, oh, now I got to rearrange my schedule. Oh, now I got to rearrange how I think about X and Y and Z. But Jesus said, if you don't want to be like the 90% who are stressed out, if you don't want to be like the 90% who are full of anxiety about the future and about what's going to happen, he goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make some changes in your life. And because some of your priorities are out of order, I want you to put me first. I love what Dave Ramsey says at the end of every one of his broadcasts. I've been listening to a lot of Dave Ramsey this week on the Ramsey Plus app, you know, uh, trying to practice my own preaching, right? But here's what he always says. He goes, you're never going to have true peace, true financial peace, until you walk daily with the Prince of Peace. And that's what we want. That's what God wants. Would you stand with me all over the room right now? And I want to ask, if you're here today, and you just say, you know what, Pastor? This message is for me. Look, everybody's leaving. We'll let all the people who are already saved and everything's okay. We're going to leave. All right. (laughs) We need to talk about that. All right. How many are here would say, this message is for me. If I'm honest, I worry too much about the future. I worry too much about money. I worry too much just about anything. I want to invite you to take a few moments and just connect with the Prince of Peace. Because the answer to your problem is not more money. The answer to your issue is not more of anything. The answer to your issue is more of Jesus. So how many of you would be honest and say, Pastor, this message is for me. Thank you for preaching it to me. If your hand is raised, would you join me up front right now? Come on, would you join me? We're gonna sing this chorus as people are coming. I wanna pray for you here today. I wanna pray for you, pray with you as we sing this chorus together while everyone is coming.
Thank you, God. you came forward today, would you just lift your hands to heaven and say, God, I thank you that you're my father. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you take care of me. God, if you take care of birds and flowers and squirrels, God, you're going to take care of me. And I'm so grateful that you see me, that you know me. You know every detail of my life. God, you know what I need. You know what I need today. You know what I need tomorrow. So God, I pray first of all, Lord, you'd forgive me. Forgive me for getting things out of order sometimes. Forgive me, Lord, for worrying. Forgive me, God, for being full of anxiety. And God, I pray right now, Lord, I want to exchange anxiety for peace. I want to exchange worry for confidence in the Lord. So Holy Spirit, would you come into my life? Prince of Peace, would you take up a greater part of my thoughts and, and my actions here today? God, I pray that worry and anxiety and fear would be gone from my life. And today, Lord God, I pray that I would walk in confidence in the peace and the presence of God today. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort. I pray that you would strengthen us, Lord. Give us courage, God, to make changes where changes need to be made. Give us courage, Lord God, to put things in order the way they need to be put in order. God, we prayed in the name of Jesus. Would you help us, Lord, to see money as a tool? It's not a treasure. Help us to see you, God, as the provider. You are a source. God, you're the one who's going to make a way. So, Lord, we trust you. God, when the last day spirit gets stronger and stronger and the spirit of Antichrist grows more and more and wants to make us afraid and wants to make us fearful, God, we pray instead that we would be faithful, that we would trust you that we would know you in your heart, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Now here's what I want us to do, one last thing. I want us to declare God's word about what we just talked about. How many know when you begin to align your thoughts with God's thoughts, when you begin to align your words with God's words, that's how you grow in relationship with Jesus Christ. So the declaration is on the screen. I want us all to speak it together like you mean it here today. Say it in faith, and you can say it because it's God's word here today. I will choose to love and serve God above all. For I understand that I cannot serve two masters. You are the Lord of my life. Every good thing comes from you. You know all my needs and will never forsake me. You are Jehovah Jireh. My provider, I will seek your kingdom first, prioritizing you over material possessions. Money does not have a hold on me. Today and every day, I choose to serve God, not money. And through this choice, I find peace and assurance and the loving care of my heavenly Father. And all God's people gave him praise today for his powerful word. Amen. 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 Don't forget to pick up uh, Ramsey Plus on your way out at the Red Tent. Sign up for Growth Track. God bless you. We will see you next week. Have a great, great day in Jesus. We love you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Grace Assembly of God podcast so you're up to date on all sermons. 
Also, if you want more Grace content, make sure you subscribe to the Deeper Grace Podcast, where Pastor Wayne will dive deeper into his most recent message. Have a great week, and God bless.